0: Patreon.com slash podcast uh, $4 a month gets you in there.
1: Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's The Walk-Off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. Fire. And another one, my goodness. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Walk-Off. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. This is a Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon, but we had a... We could call it a hiccup, right? Adam's dog got completely out of control uh, yesterday. had an and impromptu funeral for
0: my dog, yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we had to move mailbag uh, from Tuesday to Wednesday, so here we are uh oh. Adam's sofa took the brunt of I got
0: home from dropping my kid off at school and uh let me see if I can show this to the camera This was the uh the aftermath that I that probably didn't show up at all but uh I love your response when I texted you I said this is a fun surprise to an already chaotic day and your response was oh my god your dad is out of control bro
1: Well done. What's funny too is I messaged that to you and then like instantly felt bad because I was like, oh, if Adam's like losing his mind right now, this is not the time for a joke. Like that's always
0: the time for a joke. Yeah. Come on. No. Yeah.
1: That's good. Of course, anyone who is listening and has been a listener for a few months, even, knows that Adam normally needs to leave to go check on his dog. Every second episode, pretty it's, much. So
0: I, I think in catchphrase category or territory now, right? Like, <laughs> welcome to the show, comma. I got to go check on my dog. I think will be right show back. Started. I'll be right back. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So this is what we do every single week. We comb through all of your interaction, which is always um, extensive. Honestly, to the point where I know we're only getting to 5% of your questions and comments. So we do apologize if we don't get to yours. Keep trying. You can message us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, at Podcast, You can reach out on Instagram, the Walk-Off Podcast. You can go to our website, thewalkoffpodcast.ca. I know that we actually had a comment from the website this, this show, so that's new uh and patreon you get that bump the patreon bump if you want your comment in the mailbag it is automatic if you are a member of that patreon crew okay i think we're ready to get into this
0: um yeah we are let's do it um before we do i just want to uh welcome mark Drabert, Drabert, to the Patreon. Uh yeah. I a member of the Hall of Fame tier. So uh first ballot Hall of Fame tier. So yes, he's welcome. got a mug coming his way. Mug <laughs> coming his way, yes. Uh there you go. Okay. That's it uh for the newbies this week. Uh welcome, Mark. Uh we're gonna start with some rapid fire comments that made me giggle or laugh uh this week so first one alex on patreon said i really loved the three heads versus six-sided die die dice analogy nice way to think about it one out of six is actually more likely than one out of two three times Uh, obviously we're just making up numbers but it's still a uh a good way to think about it. I like it. So that is a uh, reference to something we talked about on MLB Mondays yesterday. So if you're in the Patreon and enjoying the MLB Mondays, thank you. Uh, if you're not, you're missing out. Um. Oh, by the way, MLB Mondays was not on YouTube. Yes, this week, but we did put the full episode out on Spotify. So Okay. A fun little okay. teaser preview there. Um, Misch on Patreon says, uh, "I think this is another reference to the story we told on uh, MLB Mondays." I won't say what the story is, but I think the hashtag gives it away. And she says, "I'm going to start replying to all of the Moreno Guriel posts on Twitter with hashtag touching boobies." <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: There you go. Adam and I were in full um nostalgia mode. Analogy mode. Analogies right? Mode. analogies. Yeah, right? we were, we, were yeah, good with our we had all sorts of of analogies going yes. on, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I strayed from my my food analogies for once and went with board yes. games. So yes, um it was a good episode. Good episode. Um and then this one from last week's mailbag, I think, uh, Rob Grossi commented, Gary Gossman, question mark. Yes. With a winky face. And uh, Mark Innes uh, explained this is a long, long-running gag on Kevin Gossman. Um, I think, yeah, you chimed in as well, and you said, long time ago, Adam accidentally called him Gary, and then it stuck and Rob says, no worries. Thanks for the explanation. When you called him the same thing a few minutes later, I was actually Googling it to see if that was a nickname <laughs> of some sort. So there you go. All right. Um, this one is, okay. So on MLB Mondays, we were talking about the uh, Marte hit streak. Longest yes. in postseason history. Uh, It's now, what, 20 games after last night? It's at 20 games now. Um, Longer than Jeter, longer than, well, everyone. That's Mm -hmm. how records work. Uh, But Johnny says, while the Marte hit streak is impressive, there are several decades in which playing this many playoff games in a season was simply not possible. I will always tip the cap to the new record breakers, but also have to respect history and the players who didn't get to play as many playoff
1: games. Good point. Which is a very good point. It is a very good point. Now I will say that this streak of Cattell Marte's does span numerous seasons here. Uh, I think he's at 17 for this playoff stretch and then three go from uh, a wild card series they had or whatever the series was previously to that, that the Diamondbacks played in the playoffs. It's been a while. That said, incredibly impressive what Cattell Marte has done for this Arizona Diamondbacks team at the plate during this playoff run.
0: What is more impressive to you? Uh, An 18-game hitting streak that spans five different playoff appearances over potentially five or six or seven years, or 18 and one consecutive playoff run.
1: That's a really good question. That's a tough one to answer because I do like the idea of how consistent a guy is in the playoffs. If it's over numerous years, it's not just Just like playoffs are
0: here. He's ready to go
1: because guys get hot, right? We see 20 game hit streaks in the regular season. It's not an everyday thing. And it's obviously an incredibly impressive feat, no matter what time of the year or how it's done when it's consecutive but to be a guy that's got that clutch quote and quote mm-hmm. gene in him to show up in the playoffs is super impressive but i think that consecutively is probably the one that is the most impressive to me hmm.
0: i i'm so torn I, as i ask this question i don't know which way i feel stronger about because yeah, there is a a level of impressiveness to like you said October that around when it matters and a guy yeah. is just always there for 5 6 seasons or however many it took. But then again, there's also like the other side of that coin is guys have five game hitting streaks all the time. You know, like hitting five game five games in a row uh six months apart all the time. It's like I don't know, not that is it just a coincidence, maybe almost, you know, yeah. like he just happened to have uh five good games in a row on uh three or four different occasions. I don't know. It uh it's a
1: question. Cool Drop streak. it in the comments. What do you think, grounds crew? What's more impressive? A twenty game hitting streak in the playoffs consecutively or a twenty game hitting streak in the playoffs where maybe you're doing that over three, four years? Um either way, I think they're both pretty darn impressive.
0: Yeah, you had a question about if he gets a hit tonight and the Diamondbacks lose. We were talking about this before we went uh on air. Does the hitting streak continue into next season? Right, so he hits tonight, that puts him to eighteen.
1: Let's say he goes on a thirty-nine game hit streak out of the gate in twenty twenty-four. In April, yeah. Does he beat Joe DiMaggio's record? Is that does that count? Or does it need to be all in one season? Yeah. Um I mean, obviously he's not going to do this. (laughs) Well, I mean, never
0: say never. Um so how, do, how do you feel about that question? It's your question. I'll, I'll I'll cede the floor to you. You go first on this.
1: Personally, I think you've got to do it all in one season, in the same season, for it to be valid for the record books. That said, still wildly impressive to break up a hot streak as a hitter. You know, when guys are dialed in, it's a little different than than starting the clock over. So... um.
0: Okay, so I see where your argument is in the starting the clock over on a new season. But if a guy had a hitting streak in April, gets injured, misses May and June, comes back in July, continues his hit streak, we also don't count
1: it? No, we count it.
0: That also feels like yeah, maybe we should. Maybe that is a new hit streak. That is kind of weird to think about. Um mm-hmm. I am of the I I buy into the I think it was a Brett Favre quote. I tried Googling it before we we went on air and it was I botched it. So someone in the grounds crew let me know Is this a Brett Favre quote? And I think it was something. Oh, someone was asking him about a record that he has. But the asterisk was like, if you include playoff stats. Right. It's like, oh, you have most touchdown passes in NFL history. If you include playoff stats. Right. As opposed to just regular season. Right. And his response was something along the lines of like. Why the fuck wouldn't you count playoff stats? Which is, you know, I'm paraphrasing there. I don't think he dropped an F bomb, but that's another it's kind a great of like question, philosophical though. question of like when you're looking at all time numbers, why do you penalize a guy for having good numbers when it mattered more than ever? Right. Like, I know that I know the answer is well, because. He got more games and other guys that didn't get that opportunity to have playoff numbers and whatever. But I think I'm in the 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 camp of yeah, I count playoff numbers. I think so.
1: And no, that's fair. So
0: I don't know. I mean, okay. So hold on. Uh, like we're we're gonna get hockey on this for a second here, but. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, about to well, not about to, but could realistically surpass Wayne Gretzky for all time goals in the NHL, which I never in my lifetime thought I would see. By the way, yeah, and I'm I'm rooting for. I'm not necessarily an Ovechkin fan, but um, he's grown on me much like Bryce Harper. Um yeah is the all-time goals record you only ever look at regular season nobody ever counts playoff goals but i don't know it's records are weird there's so many um, lines in the sand that you can quarter off and go well this and but this was the before the color yeah. barrier, you know, this was before, you know, blah, 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 right? Well, equipment was different. Oh, we played more games. We played fewer games, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. But I think this for this hit streak one, I would say hypothetically, if he gets a, a hit, continues to streak uh, into next season, I would count it. Although I'm sure most people wouldn't, but I would.
1: Do you know the answer for the record books? Does the record books count it? Or does it need to be in one season? or now I'm putting you on the spot. I uh, know you're putting me on the spot, you... but
0: I'm sure it's.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we can move on and let the grounds crew answer this one.
0: <laughs> um. Oh, I can't, I can't think of his name now. Uh, Cal Ripken jr. has the record for most consecutive games played, he does not have the record. Well, I guess he technically does, but whatever. Uh, nobody says he has the record for most consecutive full seasons played. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it is, it is a continuous record. He has what? Yes. 18 million games in a row? It's not. Yes. Oh, he has 15 full seasons without missing a game. Like nobody describes it that way. So I don't know. I would say you get to carry over. Although, hold on. Now I'm really wrinkling my brain. If this didn't happen, but if the Orioles were to make the playoffs and he had to miss a playoff game, would that have snapped the streak? Nope. Okay. So for you, if someone hypothetically was to play, I don't. What even is the record for Cal Ripken Jr. games?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's eighteen thousand.
0: We might as well just look it up since we're two thousand six hundred and thirty-two straight games.
1: Unreal. Just it might as well be two million. Like it, it might as well be two. <laughs> no, for sure. Like, it might as well.
0: But yeah, if there was someone that got that many games, but in the middle of a playoff run, had an oblique strain and had to miss three games in the World Series in the middle of that.
1: Well, I know it's that weird. according to the record books for just Iron Man streak, they're counting yeah. regular season games.
0: They don't count playoff games.
1: They don't count played. playoff games. Interesting.
0: Yeah. They should.
1: Maybe they should. I think the how big many playoff that, games it, it, does he have? It's like it's like it's like when they're counting home runs and stuff, right? Like they're not counting your home runs that it doesn't add to your yearly total in the playoffs. It's it's all a separate entity.
0: Uh, okay, well, here's my petition. Uh Cal Ripken Jr. had a three thirty-six batting average with 37 hits, one home run, eight RBIs, and 14 runs scored in 28 postseason games. So my petition is that we update this 2,632 playoff, or sorry, straight games uh to be 2,660 and include sure. the 28 playoff games.
1: It won't affect the record at all. No, but I think it's, it's a little (laughs) little bit
0: more untouchable. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, there you go. Grounds crew, anybody, uh, watching, listening, let us know. What do you think? Do playoff games should playoff games, uh, count? Should they be a factor in some records? Okay. Um, next one is a hockey question.
1: Should we? Let's save that.
0: Okay, we'll save it for the end. We'll see how we're doing for time. Maybe we'll get to. It is related to the unfortunate hockey death of Adam Johnson over in Europe this week. We might save that for Patreon. Um, okay, moving on then. Uh, Jenna Sims on Twitter. Says, hey, Scott and Adam found the walk off this spring and it has slowly but surely become my favorite Jay's pod. Great work. I've never asked a mailbag question before, but would love to hear your thoughts on something that maybe negatively impacted the team in 2023 that doesn't get talked about much. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this.
1: So, to start with, Jenna, uh, thanks for the kind words. Really appreciate that and glad you're enjoying the podcast this is such an interesting question because we're, we're well aware of the negative aspects of the season that have been well talked about, right? Runners in scoring position, the lack of power, the Varsho trade, how this team gelled and the chemistry and John Schneider and the front office, all of this has been talked to, talked about to death. Um One thing, that did kind of come to my mind because i i I was the one she messaged me on twitter i'm kind of the one who runs the twitter account and it it, i had to think about this a little bit and maybe this stands out to me because i saw it in person but do you remember adam the virus that was going around that clubhouse from the end of april until like the middle of june i remember watching george springer in Listen. pittsburgh and he was so sick that he was literally between plays instead of standing in the outfield he was literally crouching with his hands on the ground and just like really you could tell something was affecting of him george and i looked back george springer missed time because of this virus Kevin Vigio missed time because of this virus. Brandon Belt missed time because of this virus. Alejandro Kirk missed a few days because of it. And they kind of passed it back and forth for like six weeks. And it didn't get a lot of attention other than when a guy had to miss some games. They're like, yeah, that virus is still going around. I think that that affected the team probably more than the media or the fan base let on or even that the team is willing to let on i could be completely out to lunch there but i do remember watching guys just laboring through that may where they were just like half the team was sick half the time
0: i that that doesn't even ring the slightest bell to me no you don't even remember that i don't even remember that a little bit weird Yeah, I'm ju- I'm just trying to think now. I'm like, how did I miss that? I remember like the COVID season and we would have yeah. guys like sick and missing, but it was talked about so much. Um that's a good one though. If that's the case, I mean that would have probably cost us a couple wins. Possibly? Um sorry, my phone's ringing. How rude of me mute um yeah I don't really have anything other negative other than all the obvious stuff yeah so I can't I mean there was the Manoa stuff there was the like you said the Dalton Varshow trade and second guessing um yeah that's a really tough one to think of How'd she put that? Um, something that maybe negatively impacted this team in 2023 that doesn't get talked about much.
1: I feel like... The fan like it, base is toxicity?
0: <laughs> yeah, like maybe. Um, I think anything that was negative... Well, this is the way negativity works, right? Is that anything that's... Uh, bugging anybody at all gets talked about so much. Yeah. It's really a, a very slim sliver of that Venn diagram where it's like something negative, but we didn't fucking talk it to death.
1: And, and this is an interesting question too, because in some aspects of like, let's leave 2023 alone. We've gone through enough. We don't need to do the complete mm. postmortem of this team mm. and, and do the full autopsy. But for those of you listening, like the ground crew members out there, is there something that like kind of stood out in your mind that was a, like a negative thing that happened that didn't get a lot of, of airtime or a lot of, a lot of, uh,
0: do you think that maybe like highlights? the whole, do you think maybe the whole Barbenheimer of it was like a factor? Like, you know, the Barbie versus Oppenheimer summer blockbuster, like maybe the guys were just spending too much time at the movie theater. they kept going back and like watching both of those double features and they were just gassed for the game too much could be i don't know we didn't talk about it much but barbenheimer that's my vote um no i just think it's uh, yeah anything that gets brought up is either brought up to death or yeah
1: or completely um, missed
0: we're completely, like, under the radar. Like, you hear, you know, speculation of, oh, Vladdy's mom was sick, and that's why Yeah, he that's forever. right. It's like, I'm uncomfortable even talking about that. I don't know any facts around that. It's just kind of speculation and rumors that I've heard. I don't like to dabble in that, but I feel like maybe well, drop a maybe comment stuff like, and, like
1: folks, that you know? Folks, if, if there is something that's on your mind that uh maybe didn't get en- en- enough airtime let us know um here, and here... also i'm not crazy right everybody like some of you remember the virus <laughs> yes. that was going around <laughs> yes it was
0: uh covid 22 i think it was called yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> no um okay here's a real a real suggestion okay for the, for this question um We saw Anthony Bass make his first public statements this offseason since uh, I think it was just after the season ended, but it was like during the first round of the playoff like Blue Jays had just gotten eliminated and then like a couple days later, Anthony Bass made some comments and was like, I still want to play ball. I'm looking for a team to join and blah, blah, blah. I can't think of the article right now, but I did read one article. I don't want to guess at what newspaper it was in, but it was that there was like uh I guess tension is the nicest way to put it in the clubhouse over how that was handled and like a potential boycott of a game like a like we're not playing today kind of a response was like bubbling under the surface that never ended up seeing the light of day, like publicly. That could have been something that maybe lingered for a period of time.
1: Even even if it wasn't anything like a boycott, I'm sure that there was some tensions and some um, negativity. However, what side of this you're on. And well, that's the thing. Is, I'm just- sure... Just the way that the population most teams wouldn't want to deal with. Yeah,
0: you know, we saw it with the Rays a couple years ago, where I think it was members of the bullpen like didn't want to wear the rainbow logo jersey. Yeah, and I'm not giving commentary on what's right or wrong or who's right or wrong, but the likelihood that all 26 guys in that clubhouse and all the support staff and whatever in the immediate, all feel the exact same way. Yeah. Regardless of which side (laughs) they were on it's unlikely they were all on the same side. So just that right there could have just been like a, a a lingering tension that was like, I don't know, a distraction that you, you
1: know, doesn't distraction is the perfect word. Exactly. So yeah, there you go.
0: Okay, uh, next one from Deb in Discord says, and I love this question, you love this question, so here it is. Question for all. If an ump has a large strike zone after the first couple of innings, what is the best strategic response? Do hitters expand their strike zone, right? Get defensive on those uh, should it be a ball, but it's. I know it's going to get called a strike. At least try and foul them off. Uh, crowd the plate a bit. Maybe uh, take a hit by a pitch in a low-risk area, she describes. Which, by the way, last night's game, uh, Alex, the center fielder for the Diamondbacks. Thomas. Thomas. He fouled one off, off the ground, ricocheted off his cup area. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing out loud because the commentators said, took it off the foot. And then they kept showing the replay and they kept zooming in more and more on this foul ball off the foot. And we just, the whole house was laughing. It was, we're really like, Oh yeah. Right in the tip of the toe. Like <laughs> <laughs> it kept zooming in like closer and closer and showing a more slow-mo version of him getting hit in the junk. <laughs> it's just ah, hilarious. Anyways. So I, I laughed when she said, uh, Crowd the plate area. a bit, yeah, to take a hit by pitch to a low risk area. Um, Manager confrontation and ejection, or just have your pitcher focus on those areas to try and get their own called strikes or swinging misses. So, what
1: do you think, Scott? Honestly, I love this question, dude, and I love it because it highlights the thing I enjoy most about baseball, and that is the thing about this sport that we're also enamored with is that it is a, a sport of adjustments. And whether you are a hitter and you're coming into the league and you're just adjusting as time goes on, whether you're a pitcher and maybe the, the hitters are focusing on a certain pitch and you need to adjust to, to throwing in a different area and maybe a different sequencing, whether you're in the outfield and you're now adjusting to an adjustment from the hitter and where they are putting the ball the most frequently. It it is just right across the board, all about adjustments. And the same goes for the strike zone. And I honestly believe that when it comes to an umpire, that your one thing you're really hoping for is consistency. So if he's consistently going to call, a low ball outside of the strike zone, a strike, you just as a hitter need to adjust to that. That is now the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, that is now the strike Consistency zone. Consistency over it's accuracy, in, for sure. If it's inconsistent, Adam, I think, and this is just my opinion on it, you need to stick to your game plan. If, if, if some balls are getting called a strike outside and some aren't, you just need to, to take your lumps and stick to the game plan because as soon as you start adjusting to something that is so inconsistent, you're just going to get frustrated. You're going to wind up striking out. You're going to wind up in the hole in counts. You're going to wind up risking uh, a, an ejection, right? So in the playoffs, I think, that the, the strategy shouldn't be to get frustrated. It shouldn't be to be yelling at the umpire from the dugout, maybe mid may. That's something that you're doing, right. Especially in a, a four game series where you're, you're trying to make sure the calls go your way from time to time over the next three games. It's mm-hmm. just so different in the playoffs because every pitch means so much that wasting your time and your energy, blaming the, the umpire is not going to be the way to go about it. It's it's a frustrating aspect of the game that every team and every player deals with. And I think that getting away from your strategy, getting away from your strengths when things are inconsistent is just an Achilles heel that is going to wind up costing you in the end, right? So now that said, if they're consistently calling balls outside the strike zone, yeah, you got to expand the zone. You got to foul those pitches off. You need to dig in a little bit harder. That's personally how I feel about that.
0: Um, I am always for more manager ejections. That's one thing that, like, I really wish we saw more of from John Schneider was get out there and
1: yell at someone, you know? Um, What's the strategy behind that?
0: As a fan, I'm entertained it, like, by
1: it, <laughs> right? But do you th- do you, like? Because I'm curious. Like, do you think? And this is for the grounds crew too. Feel free to leave a message in the comment section here. Do you think that an uh, an umpire that is consistently calling balls strikes that are outside the zone? Do you think there is value in the, um, in the manager losing his mind, going out there and getting ejected and showing his frustration? Like, Do you think that the umpire, maybe after that happens, he's on the iPad and he's taking a look at the strike zone and maybe no, he's correcting himself? I definitely
0: don't think that's the case. But I do think it is an uh, acknowledgement to your pitchers or to your hitters that they aren't in the wrong. Right. Uh Bo Bichette goes down looking, called strike strike three or whatever. And when he sees John Schneider storming out there with that red face of his, huffing and puffing, throwing his hat on the ground, kicking dirt on home plate, whatever, he knows, all right, not even for like I'm not I'm not the crazy one here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not imagining that there was a flu that went through the team earlier this year, right? It is uh, validation and it is a vote of confidence uh, from John Schneider, right? Whether it's Jose Barrios, who can't quite hit the strike zone or whatever. And he's just uh, despondent on the mound going like, I fucking, are you kidding me? Like, and he's. And then to see his manager, so it's there more showing like, support. Yeah, I to think your it's more guys, showing support right? to your guys. Yeah. Also, by the way, John Schneider should have got ejected in that game two in the playoffs. Then he wouldn't have had to been the one to pull Jose Brios. Right? They all get in the meeting room, and Ross Atkins looks at John. And he's like, "You're pulling him in the fourth inning." And then he goes, "Not if yeah. I get ejected in the third, bitch." That's right. Mike drop, then- and he's out of there. All of a sudden, Brios pitches a whole game.
1: We win. That's right. Or Ross Atkins is up there being like, I had no idea Dave Hudgens was going to pull Jose (laughs) Barrios in the third.
0: (laughs) I really didn't see uh, Russell Peters pulling him.
1: (laughs) Um, Which is a callback, by the way,
0: to anybody who didn't see the last episode.
1: In this scenario, Um, Canadian legend Russell Peters. Takes over for John Schneider yeah. when he gets called when he gets ejected from the game. We exactly. bring him in from the crowd. Exactly. Big Blue Jays fan, Russell yeah. Peters.
0: Um he's right there with the guy from Rush and it's a it's a great time. Okay. Um Manager ejections though. I think yeah, I think there's value in just in that. Um I don't I don't think it makes a difference. I don't think showing up an umpire ever gets them to change their behavior, uh, which by the way, this has been one of my biggest gripes. I, I, I comment on it all the time. It happens to blue Jays players all the time, but that like ball four, where the batter, like bat flips and starts heading down to first before ball four is called, uh, And then the ump does the late strike call. Like, uh, yeah, I hate that. I hate that hitters do that. And we just the other game, uh, Moreno did it in the ninth inning. And I think
1: sometimes I wonder if when they do that, it's almost the umpire doing like calling a strike late, being like, fuck you, you don't tell me when.
0: That's what I mean. Like, I call balls and strikes, you don't call balls and strikes. Like, 'cause, cause it was off the plate by a full base inches right like there yeah. was enough room for another ball to be thrown between and still be <laughs> a ball like it was way off yeah but he lays down the the bat and starts hustling to first and then there's the the old straight call yeah. and that's for sure that's what it what it always feels like is the no, yeah. no 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 i'm the ump get back in here i don't care that could have bounced in the dirt strike two you know what i mean so that I always I even bugs think me.
1: that it does have to do with who's at the plate as well. Like yeah. Gabriel Moreno, 23 rookie, year yeah. old rookie catcher is yeah. going to tell the umpire 12 yeah. year veteran umpire in the major leagues that that was. And even though that was the worst call of the game by far, mm-hmm. like you said, man, there's another baseball that could have been put in there and also called a ball <laughs> before that's in the strike zone.
0: But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, Yeah, I think if John Schneider is out there getting ejected, Jose Brios finishes that game, Blue Jays are in the World Series right now, and Diamondbacks (laughs) Twitter is losing their mind over Dalton Varsho. We could have had him. Oh, look at Dalton (laughs) Varsho. Meanwhile, Dalton Varsho is getting that called strike on the ugly ball outside the plate and they're like Dalton Varsho, come on buddy, don't uh don't show up the ump on that that ball, let him call it. It's a whole timeline. This is the darkest timeline for any community fans out there. Okay. Um yeah, manager ejections, I like um I'm with you if it's a consistent ugly strike zone. I mean, you have to adjust your approach as a hitter if it's inconsistent i'm i'm right there with you, you just just stick to your game plan and close your eyes and hope for the best yeah that's that's about it for me uh
1: great you, question deb yep
0: yeah, love it okay next one comes from submitted to our website thewalkoffpodcast.ca uh is that what our website is yeah no No, the walkoff.ca not not podcast
1: okay there you go the There here we go hilarious okay <laughs>
0: there we go do not go to the it is a much different website um nonetheless James Dunlap submitted a, a question that way because that is another way you can uh, submit to the mailbag so James says, Uh, Would you place any stock in thinking that the Blue Jays blow the hubs off the budget this offseason? Strictly from a business point of view, the Rogers Center renovation will wrap up this winter, completing the crown jewel of the fan experience. Uh, Which means you can't have a fan experience unless you have crown jewels to spend, right? That's right, Um, buddy. Perhaps translated beautifully. Thank you. Uh, perhaps uh, we'll see this off season as the time to spend on players to add a quality team to a predicted quality stadium experience. So, do you think?
1: So, in the press conference that Mark Shapiro led. After the Ross Atkins press conference, he basically stated that the budget isn't going to be increasing all that much or decreasing, but it's also not in stone yet. I think they are going to spend again this season, 2024. I think they absolutely need to. Are they going to blow the doors off the budget? I think there are two scenarios in which the budget budget does increase substantially where they kind of go from I think they're 8th in Major League Baseball right now in payroll. I think they could be a top 5 team, but there's some things that would need to happen. Number 1, I I have no doubt that they do have a Shohei Otani budget, a unicorn budget that is completely separate from all the other math and budgets that they have in hand here. Now, I'm not saying by any means i just saying... designed our
0: thumbnail for today, buddy. Blue yeah, Jays exactly. all in on Shohei. This
1: changes everything, things just Dude, got real. You can't convince me there aren't 15 major league baseball teams that are all in on Shohei Otani. It is such a rare moment to have a guy like this available on the free agent market, and the Blue Jays 100% are going to be in on him. Now that doesn't mean a damn thing, because Shohei Otani is the one who is going to choose where he goes. It is not going to be up to an organization. All these orgs can do is literally present the best deals that they are prepared to do, give their slideshow presentation of, of oh, look at look, look at all of the, the Japanese culture within Toronto. Look at, look, at, look at all the Japanese people that are here in Toronto. It's one of the largest areas in the world that is isn't japan right for that right look look at what we can present that other cities can't do and then they just need to cross their fingers and hope that there isn't one of the other 14 teams also presenting these very similar in budget i'm sure i I, like if you're going to make a push on shohei otani you don't want to offend him right (laughs) like you don't want to be like hey here's 200 million You know, this is the best we can do. Like, why even put it in there? You
0: want him to answer your second phone call with your first phone
1: call's offer. And that's the goal. You hope that when the Shohei Otani sweepstakes begin, that you're in that 15 teams making a presentation and you can wind up being one of the five in the end. And I think the Blue Jays actually have it within them to do that again. This is a 1% chance that Shohei even considers going to Toronto. We already have heard all of the rhetoric about he would prefer a West Coast team. The time zone, the fact it's just easier on his Japanese fan base to watch him on the West Coast. But Shohei has also come out and said that winning is paramount to him at this point. Which means maybe he does consider a New York Yankees, a New York Mets, a Toronto Blue Jays a you know you know darn well that the padres and the dodgers are making their pitch you know darn well the angels are going to try up re-upping him again you know darn well the seattle mariners are going to be like we had a chiro we've got so much Mm -hmm. precedence here with the with the japanese fan base uh like again you would be Doing your fan base a disservice and your organization a disservice if you're not going to make a true run at a unicorn like Shohei Otani. So I do think there is a separate budget for in case that 1% falls the Blue Jays way. Now, can is there another scenario in which the Blue Jays budget does increase? I do wonder about Cody Bellinger. How does the Blue Jays front office? evaluate where Bellinger is at and how he would fit into this lineup they if if they decide Bellinger might be the thing that puts them over the top I could see the Blue Jays having another 150 million dollar contract what, what? Maybe it's seven years, 170, which would increase the budget. It's not going to blow it completely out of the water like James is suggesting, but it, do, would, it would be an increase from the 2023 budget. Most likely, 75% chance this budget is going to be the exact same it was last year. There's probably going to be some significant signings, but nothing that's going to make the rest of baseball go holy shit look at Toronto going all in thoughts Adam like where are you at on the budget can you see them as as he says though how did he uh blow the hubs off the budget
0: like for me I guess that to interpret that question means do we spend like the Mets because we already spent like the Blue Jays like we're a top Five ish payroll in baseball, with the exception of the Mets being ludicrous. Like it's yeah. a percentage points away from being like the top spenders, like already. So I didn't see us spending the way we did coming. Yeah. So just to maintain, I'd be impressed. I'd be happy. You know, we got a lot of money coming off the books. Right. Um so we do have money to spend, right? Ryu gone or whatever yeah. brought back, but that's what twenty-ish million. Yeah. Right? Belt gone, Kiermeyer gone. Ten million. 10 uh, million. Merrifield, gone, Chapman gone. Like we got six or seven just to rem- replacements. Just a reminder,
1: Chapman was making thirteen million. Yep. So, yeah, there's there is there's money like to spend.
0: Sixty-ish they... million dollars to spend that doesn't even increase the budget. Yeah. You know, like if we're talking about replacing Matt Chapman, okay, I saw this in the comments. Uh, I don't remember where, but it was like something along the lines of, if you go get Cody Bellinger, you should feel all right with starting. Uh, Davis Schneider at third base, or you know, like or not sorry, at third base, uh, Roland Biggio and Schneider at second, and Barger Martinez at third base. If you have Cody Bellinger as the guy you're bringing in for the outfield, that's yeah. like that doesn't even increase the budget if if that's the way we end up going to to go get Cody Bellinger on a seven year one seventy million dollar deal. There's still because of the money coming off the books, money to be spent. So. Yeah, I mean, Speaking blow, third the, blow the hubs off the doors is only the unicorn but Like, that's the unicorn yeah. budget or whatever you call it for Shohei Ohtani. We would have to overspend more than anyone else because, what do they call it? The Toronto tax, the Canada tax, yeah. the whatever tax. You got to pay more to bring in George Springer than anyone else is going to spend already. So, I uh, for me, that's why like Shohei Otani is just not coming to Toronto because someone mm-hmm. is going to offer him 600 million. So the blue Jays would have to offer him 800 million to entice him. to Be like, Hey, after taxes, 800 million is the same in Canada as, you know, 600 million had... is in Houston yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Right. So it's like, Really, that's it's tough.
1: You know who I'm really falling in love with, dude, that I think would be the perfect one-year veteran contract that gives us a little bit more time to develop Aralvis Martinez and Addison Barger?
0: Hmm.
1: Evan Longoria. I love Evan Longoria. I love what he's doing with the Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks. currently. I love that he has the experience in the AL East. And I think that he really does uh, provide a short-term, cheap option at third base where they, if there's a guy pushing at the door, he's not going to take time away, right? Like Evan Mm -hmm. Longoria, he knows where he's at in his career, can settle back into a DH slash uh, role player role, Mm -hmm. uh, utility guy, move around a little bit, bench Mm -hmm. guy. I think that uh, Evan Longoria, if I'm the Blue Jays front office, he's a guy that really does help bridge that gap between where they are developmentally for third base and for 2024 and where they will be going forward. So
0: I like it. I like it. Okay. There you go. So yeah, for me, uh, blow the hubs off the budget is only a yes. If that means Shohei Otani. If it's not Shohei Otani, I think we can still go have a very fruitful off season, and I wouldn't consider it blowing the hubs off the budget only because the hubs they already being blown in my yes estimation. So, um, okay, last one then. We'll end on this, and then we'll get back to that hockey skate question, right? Uh, but we'll save that for the Patreon after we end the video here. Uh, So last one then for the YouTube and the Spotify side of things is Ramon on Patreon says last night. It's an old question. This is from game three. uh, Christian Walker. This is in the three one loss, by the way, Christian Walker blew a stop sign in the second inning of a tie game zero, zero, and then was thrown out at home. Uh, Then the Rangers scored three runs in the top of the third you think that this game goes to the Diamondbacks if he doesn't blow the stop sign and then eventually scores? Momentum is funny like that.
1: Obviously, this is all speculative, but momentum is funny like that. And I do think that that really was a pretty big blow to the Diamondbacks at the time, especially mm-hmm. with the stop sign being put up and the fact that they would have had runners on first and, and third with one out. Yeah. But... Had he scored, you could say the exact same other thing, right? I, I don't know. That's a really tough one to answer. I do think that it did affect the Diamondbacks. We've watched Bo Bichette blow through a stop sign. We've watched mm-hmm. Vladdy in regular season blow right through the stop sign and be out by a mile. It 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 hurts. It's definitely negative when that happens, and that's a tough one for the team to take in the dugout for sure
0: uh when they showed the replay there and he had that kind of stutter step at second base when he wasn't sure to take off or not in the first place and it's just like man it's so tough to second guess a guy
1: who's going for it though yeah i mean man and walker was so close like it's not like he was out by a mile we're talking an inch yeah
0: um So I guess this doesn't really answer the question of, do I think they go on to win or not? But it, for me is the question of like, how upset are you as a diamondback fan or as a teammate to see him blow the stop sign and get thrown out at home. And for me, I'm like, I kind of love it. I mean, it didn't work out, but it's the same thing of when Bo Bichette had that. Yeah. Yeah attempt to score from from third rounding third on that weird infield grounder and Correa made the nice play and you know runs are at a minimum
1: yeah you know like
0: you're playing tight and you got to try and do it when you can because
1: I mean the only thing the only thing that stood out to me in that play dude is Adoles Garcia has one of the best arms at all of baseball I mean he led outfield assists this year Yep. He had over 30 of them. To test that arm, I mean, it's a, that's, yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're coming up in the middle of the order, I guess, because uh, Christian Walker's fourth. So you're looking at the 6-7 hitter coming up. Like you said, it would have been runners on first and third, one out, but... I mean that's a ground ball away from it being a inning-ending double play too, right? So sometimes you go, look, uh, I have zero chance at scoring on a inning-ending double play right now. I have a thirty percent chance of scoring. Uh, It's I'm going for it. I just like the mentality of I want to have guys that want to make the play, you know, and that's that's the criticism of. Bobachette all the time, right? The collision with George Springer in center field that I will defend to my dying breath is that I want guys who are ranging out into the outfield and I'm going for it till you call me off, kind of thing, right? And then yeah. we can dissect why wasn't he called? I I'm mean, there. it was a tragic way that it went in, but like I'm also seeing all World Series Corey Seager ranging into shallow center yeah. field for plays just like that that aren't ending in a collision and nobody's yelling at Corey Seager. What the fuck is he doing out in center field, making a catch, right? That's great. I want, I want guys that are going for it. So in Christian Walker's defense here, uh, he went for it. It didn't work out, but if I was a diamondbacks fan, I would not be like pointing the finger at Christian Walker. It's like, Oh, like he got greedy and it, killed us and we never were able to recover and i don't know it didn't yeah. work out but i still like it so there you go
1: all right we'll wrap up the public side of things here thank you so much everybody for your interaction over the week we truly do appreciate it the little community here the grounds crew members uh i don't know we'd be lost without you feel free to reach out at walk off podcast on twitter slash x the walk-off podcast on instagram the is the website we've got our merch up there and of course you can reach out for mailbag and the patreon bump if you are a patreon member all you got to do is shoot us a message and uh let us know that you'd like on mailbag and it will happen all right everybody take care of yourselves all the best cheers thanks for listening to the walk-off podcast with scott belford and adam mack with a new episode every Friday. With oh. a drive. She's a cracker. Shows to picture. to him. Thanks for listening.